you and your will for our lives. Um, we need to pray for the people in Syria, Lord, who um, just got bombed by our country. And um, we pray that the innocent people would be safe, that the Assad regime, those people that are killing innocent people with gas, um, Lord, you're in control, so you do what needs to be done. I I just don't even know what to think about the situation. I pray that the United States would um, be seeking you, that uh, your people would be praying for our government and for the people in charge, that they would be making proper decisions. Um, we want to pray for the protection of Israel because we know that over there in the Middle East, when they want to get back at us, they'll go after them. So we pray for them. Um, Again, we give you this night and ask that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, the will of God. The thing that everybody wants to know. What is God's will for my life? So, when we read the Bible, basically, all we're ever really going to see is the general will of God through the Scriptures. Um, even though in Second Peter... One three, it says that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Um, he has given us all things that will pertain to our life or to our godliness. Uh, I, I think a lot of times um, that scripture there in Second Peter, um, I like to use that to prove that we don't need Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung. Carl Maslow, um, the fathers of psychology that are in our day and very prevalent in our day. Um, I know that going through rehabs and stuff like that, um, Christian counselors, they like to go back to that and refer to those people. Um, they call it Christian psychology. Um, and uh, I, I'm not going to get all into that. I have a definitely have a bent towards disliking it very strongly um, because the root of psychology is demonic, fully demonic. Um, so God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And the first century church did a great job without psychology, Christian or otherwise. We have God's word. He said he's given us all the things we need, so we need to go with that. So when we're going through the scriptures to find the will of God, like I said in Second Peter where it says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, um, we, we won't be able to go through the scriptures and find out like whether I should buy Crest toothpaste or Colgate or should I wear Nike shoes or like Tommy Bahama sandals. Um, you don't want to use the scriptures. Uh, I came up with the analogy is you're looking for a doctor. You don't know which doctor to choose. You've got Dr. Abrahamson and you've got Dr. Marcus Welby, which you got to be older like us to know who that was. It was an old TV show when three of us that are in here were kids. <laughs> um, but you pick up the Bible because you're looking for God's will. What doctor do I need? So you're going through the scriptures. You happen to come across the scripture in Genesis chapter 21, verse 2. And it says, For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. And go, ah, it's Dr. Abraham's son. Because I just read and it said Abraham a son. So God must be saying that this is what I need to do. Um, you don't want to use that as a way you choose um, the decisions that you make. Now, God can speak in any way he chooses. Um, but the the point being that he usually doesn't speak that specifically in your decision making, but he wants to be involved in all your decisions. What? Oh, I'm supposed to. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Let you guys know because some of you guys are new here. I know, like Cruz and Mike. Um, if you have questions, comments, um, don't yell at me. Don't throw things at me. But you can actually, in the middle of my study, if you have a question, man, let me know. Ask it. If you have a comment, bring it out. It's not a problem. That's why we actually have this microphone up here. 
so we can record even what you guys have to say because this all gets recorded and gets put online. So make sure you don't say anything bad about anybody because it might be online. And then the NSA will come looking for you. Um, so anyway, so God doesn't make the specifics necessarily on decision making in your life. Like I said, like the toothpaste you use or the shoes you wear or the clothes you buy. God is not so concerned about that. But he still wants to be involved in every decision you do make. So there's always prayer involved. But as we go through, you'll see, we're going to see what God's will is and we're going to see how he guides and he will lead. Um, the first thing we want to do, and we've looked at this scripture in, in past studies, in James chapter 1. Actually, we just looked at it maybe even last week. I know we just looked at it very recently. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So if we're seeking God's will for our lives, one thing we want to know is, God, I need wisdom to know what decision to make and to know where you're leading me. So we want to ask for wisdom first. So James says, if you want wisdom because you lack, ask God. And he gives liberally. He gives freely. He just, he throws it out there if you ask him for it. He doesn't like hold it back and make you try to search it out. Ah, just try to guess what I want you to do. He gives you wisdom and it's out there. Um, a lot of wisdom is gained by reading the scriptures. A lot of wisdom. Uh, I was telling Michael, it's going to be weird because in three weeks, two more now, I'm going to be through this 13-week study that, we, that we've been doing. And we will go back to God. That will be the next study. Well, not next, after two weeks. When we finish this 13-week 13 13 course, it's just going to keep going around. And it's just going to be over and over and over. Except the next time we go through... I'm not teaching on God. So I'm not going to have to study for this for three weeks. Not coming up after I finish the next two, which is going to be next week will be dating and marriage. And the week after that is um, trial and tribulation. Then after that, we go back to God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit. And Michael's going to be teaching that. I'm not going to be teaching it. So I'm just going to get to kick back like you guys and listen to what Michael's got to say, what the Lord's laying on his heart. And we're going to start bringing different people will come in. The first time through, it was all me. The next time through, I'm going to come in every now and then. I'll probably every other week I'll be speaking, except for when Michael takes his, because his is going to be a three-week three, three week, uh, study that he does. One on the, I think three. Or did you go to four? You said three. Okay. Yeah, I said three, but I said if you needed to, you could have the fourth. I, I just did it in three. So anyways, so um, if you don't have the wisdom, ask. God gives it out. He doesn't care. But ask in faith, believing that God will give it to you. And He will. The stuff that, you know, I, I don't know what you guys think of me or I don't want the answer either. Um, and my ability to teach, um, if you knew the way I was in school, I, I, I think I read uh, one book in, from 7th grade to 12th grade. I read one book. It was... Uh, Rumblefish was the only book I ever read. Every year I did the same book report. I turned it in. I just rewrote it and turned it in every every year. Um, I was not a reader. I hated school. Um, I hated speaking in front of people. That was a rough one. Just getting up in front of people and talking. And, and um, like I said, I've said it before. You know, I think I said it last week. It's just this isn't what I want to do uh, naturally. I want to do it because I know this is what God wants me to do, but naturally this is not what I want to do. Any wisdom that I may have is God. It's just plain and simple. If, if, you, if you knew who I was, I was talking with Jeremy about it a little before. I, I wasn't a good guy. I wasn't a very smart guy. Um, God's doing what's going on here. Uh, another place to find wisdom, and you can read this on your own. We're not going to read the whole thing of Proverbs chapter 4 is just chock full of wisdom instruction. But looking at verses 20 through 27, 
I just want to look at this. He says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. So as wisdom is speaking, and wisdom is always personified as a woman in the scriptures. Wisdom is always personified as a woman. So when you read this, the Proverbs, especially this one in four, um, you see it as a, a man seeking after a, a woman. Yeah, like in verse eight, it says, exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor. She, she, she. Okay. So that's how wisdom is personified is as a woman. And you're to seek her early. Um, you will have things in your life he says, incline your ear to the sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. It's something you want to continue to dwell on. Keep them in the midst of your heart, in the middle of the heart. That's where you want this stuff, the wisdom, because it's life. It's health to the flesh. He says, and keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it spring the issues of life. So you can see if you put this stuff in there, your the issues of your life, they spring out of your heart. So if your heart is filled with God and His wisdom the issues of your life are going to be in line with what God wants for your life. Okay? So, now, in light of receiving this wisdom, now, can we decipher God's will? That's what we want to know. So, again, His will is going to be general for the most part in our lives. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we can know generally, God's will is that no man perish, but that all men come to repentance. All men come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. That's God's will. So we know that's His will. So we can go, okay, there's ways we can help perpetuate that. We can live it ourselves, become born again ourselves, and then we can take what we have, that wisdom that we had, the stuff that, that we just read about in Proverbs and also in uh, James, and we can share that with others who don't know Jesus because we know it's God's will that they come to know Him also. So, part of his will, and it's, it's good to know all of the scripture because there's so much here, I can only cover so much. But remember, the Great Commission in, in uh, Matthew chapter 28 was to go and make disciples of the nations. So, God's will, all men to be saved. Jesus' command, go make disciples. So, you can see how those two work hand in hand. Okay, so, God's will, none should perish. All should come to repentance. There's doctrine out there. Um, I'm not going to get all into it because that's not what we're doing here, but there's doctrine out there that, that will tell you that what he means by not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He means all those that he has called to come to repentance. It's, it's a predestination is what they call it. We're not going to get, like I said, not going to get into that, but all in the Greek here means all. It doesn't mean a special group, which is what there's a doctrine out there that says it's just this group. That's what he means by all. All means all. And that's all that all means. So, First Peter 4. 1 through 4. This is in your thing twice. I'll explain how it got there. But um, let's read this first. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, 
when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. So, the general will of God again. We can look and say that if we put on the mind of Jesus Christ, then we would no longer live a life of the flesh. That's God's will. Right? It said it right there. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So we can see in the the negative stuff that is given that God has a desire that we do the opposite of the bad that is spoken of here. His will is good and he speaks of bad things. Don't do this anymore because this was the lust of the flesh. This was the will of the Gentiles. God's will is opposite to that. It's opposed to what Peter just said here in this list. And then he says, and the world thinks it's strange because you don't run with them in the same flood of dissipation and they speak evil of you. So the world doesn't understand. I told you guys that one time at the bachelor party, it was a few weeks ago. Some of you guys are newer, so you didn't hear it. But at that bachelor party, when they just, they couldn't believe that the guy that used to be the life of the party, the biggest party around was no longer doing it. And they thought, well, what are you doing? I mean, if you're not partying, what are you doing? And they thought my life was just done. You know, there's nothing happening. Like, man, I've had more going on in my life since I stopped partying than I ever did before. Okay, this, you guys see is in your notes again. I'll just quickly explain what I do is I'll come up with the notes and the scriptures that I want to use and I just put them on my computer screen and then I just start praying about it and I start and I start piecing it all together. And so sometimes a scripture that I put near the end, I move up to the front and sometimes I forget to erase the, delete the one that was before. And so you'll see later on that first Peter comes up again. We're not going to look at it again. I forgot to delete it. So that's up to you guys to delete it from your notes. So I already did. I crossed mine out. I saw it. It's great because every time I try, as hard as I try to make this so that it, there's no mistakes in it, I do it every time. So you guys will get used to it. I have. I hate it, but I just the way it is. Okay, so First Thessalonians, verse 4, I mean chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles, who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness." Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So here, Paul writing, starts it out, this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's a word we don't use, really, except if you're in a church. Okay, it's a word I never used before in my life until I started reading the Bible. Okay, it's not a, it sounds like a big old word, all whatever. It's a simple word. It just means to be set apart. That's what sanctification is. I use this analogy, and I'm going to say it again for those of you, like my kids have heard it all their lives. But this analogy is a great one, and it's being recorded, and I don't know if I've used it yet. So, sanctification. Okay? At my house, I have a bowl that is for my dog. His food goes in that bowl. It's sanctified for the dog. It's set apart for him. If you were to come over to my house and we were going to sit down and have a bowl of Captain Crunch, I'm not going to give you the dog's bowl. Okay, I've got other bowls for you to eat out of. That's sanctified for the dog. It's set apart for the dog. Okay, that's what it's, that's how simple that word is. You're set apart for God. Not for any other use. Only for God. That's what Paul is saying here. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust. Obviously, here he's tying this back to sexual immorality. But sanctification, when you're sanctified, 
set apart. You're set apart from many other things, not just lust or sexual immorality. But that is what he is speaking of here. Again, he gives you the negative so you can know that, okay, this is what I'm not supposed to do. I'm supposed to do the opposite, right? Sanctification and honor. So he wants purity out of your life. He doesn't want sexual immorality, which would be anything outside of a marital a marital um, relationship. Any sexual activity outside of a marital relationship is dishonorable. God wants you set apart honorably for him. And he says, and if you do these other things, then you're not honoring me. Okay? So that's God's will. Another place we find it. Okay? Romans 12. Another good one. Paul says to the church in Rome, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay? So by offering your bodies or presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, and that word is the same word as sanctification, set apart, holy, acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service. Remember, the Bible is written to those who are believers. This book is not written for unbelievers. It is written for believers. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's letting them know this is what you're supposed to be doing. See, because the world, he, he keeps bringing up Gentiles. That's basically saying the world. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to live this way. It's not God's design. But because they don't know him and they don't have his Holy Spirit, that's just what they do. That's their nature. He's writing to the church. He's telling us, you guys, you're going to want to maybe do this stuff. Like we just read about in Thessalonians, the lusts. He goes, but you present your bodies a living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice is it, it likes to get up off the altar. So we have to get it back on the altar and kill it again. And it gets up off the altar. We've got to bring it back again. Okay? We're going to have desires and, and, and uh, uh, temptation that's going to draw us away. We have to get back on the altar. Time to do that again. What's up, Chris? Question. Uh, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do you automatically accept His will? Or? No. Because God has made us free moral agents. or he, He's given us the ability to do freely those things that we want to do. In the Garden of Eden, when, when God went to Adam after He created him, remember, He created the trees of the garden... And he said that we see there's more than one than two trees in there, but basically it's the two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And God says, don't eat this fruit, but you got this one. They were both there. God easily could have said, you know what? There will not be a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will only have the tree of life. No choice. Okay, and, uh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Yeah. Oh, you definitely. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. You have to know him before you'll ever know his will, because you're not going to try to know the will of somebody that you know nothing about. You don't care. First 20 years of my life, I didn't care what God wanted. The only thing I cared about was what Kevin wanted. That's all I cared about. So in the garden, God puts the two trees so that we can make a choice. See, because I use the analogy and I use this all the time. I use a lot of analogies over and over again, just because to me they work real well. And I don't want to have to think of new ones. So, um, but I use the one about a computer. You can program a computer to do a lot of things these days, right? So I get my computer and I program it so that when I hit a certain button on the computer, my computer says, I love you. Push the button, I love you. You know, it's like, it doesn't do a lot for me, right? It's because it's not, I've programmed it to say that. The computer doesn't really love me. 
So maybe I give up on the computer and I find a lady named Patty. I go to her. I take a gun out, put it at her head and said, you know what? You better tell me you love me or I'm going to shoot you. So she says, I love you. So, oh, that's, right? She doesn't love me. She's doing it because she, I'm forcing her to do it. But when she has the option, when she chooses, especially after 33 years, to still say she loves me, after knowing me this long, she still says it. There's some meaning to it. See, it was her choice. That choice that she made, I recognize. And it means a lot. It's the same thing with God. That's why there's the two trees. You can make the choice. See, if I'm forced to do it, is it really love? But when I choose to do it, then you know it is. That's why he says, you present your body as a living sacrifice. It's living. Not a dead one. Because a dead sacrifice, it's dead and it just lays on the altar. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't have a choice. It's dead. Because we're living sacrifices. So we have to get back on the altar all the time. Because we mess up. So we get on the altar. God, I messed up. We get off the altar. We got to get back on the altar. God, I messed up again. Keep crucifying the flesh. We got to keep dying to self. It's hard to do. But we have to do it. If we want God's will. That is God's will. Then he says that if we do that, if we offer our bodies a living sacrifice and we are not conformed to this world, but transformed. And notice how we transform. Not by the way we act, but by, excuse me, by the renewing of our mind, the way we think. It's not action. It's the way we think now. See, too many people in the church, it's just action. They come into church on Sunday morning, they wear their suit and tie, and they sing all the songs with their hands up in the air. And then you see them after church, at the bar, or at the, you know, you see them going into the strip club, or whatever it is they're doing. You see them ripping people off. It's like, wait, no, that's not what we're called to do. It's the renewing of our mind. The way we think has to be different. That's something for me. Um, I, I never, uh, on my business cards, there's no cross, there's no Jesus, there's no scripture. My card just says Kohler Electric. That's all it says. has my name and stuff. But no no Jesus stuff on there. See, because I, I want to do business so that when I'm done, they go, man, this guy was, he's different. He's he's just different than everybody. I mean, and I, I get a lot of people. For I've had my business for, I think, 15, almost 15 years now, probably, somewhere in there. I've never advertised. All my work has always been word of mouth. Because I want to do business so good. I want to be such a good electrician with a great reputation that they're going to go, there's something different about this guy. I want them to know. Now, I'm I'm not saying I'm ashamed to tell them because I told you guys last week I had three ladies last week that I shared the gospel with last week. I was with a guy two days this week right here in Running Springs um, talking with him a lot longer than I should have been. because he's having all kinds of problems with the generator. And then I get done and I'm just like, he goes, well, okay, you spent way more time than you were supposed to. What do you, how much is it going to cost me? I'm like, dude, I give you a price. If you want to give me more, that's up to you. And to them, they're just like, what? Who does that? I'm a horrible businessman <laughs> when it comes to, but I feel like this is what God tells me. I pray, God, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And if he says, don't do anything, don't charge him more. All right. It's terrible business practice. But 15 years now I've been doing it that way. And I mean, look at, you see my boys are all like tall and I mean, they've all eaten and none of them have died from starvation. They all have a roof over their head. I've got a question though. So um, what you're just saying right now is you're asking for God's specific will in that situation, right? So far we've been talking about general will through God's word. (laughs) But what you just said... You were asking God, what should I do? There is a time when I ask for God's specific will. I just ask Him to lay His desire on my heart. So is that kind of what you were saying right there? I'm not going to answer you. We'll get to it. Jumping the gun, Mary. You're jumping the gun. So don't be conformed to the world. The world, all it does, 
It offers the only thing in the world, right? It says in First John, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They are not from God, but from the world. That's all the world has. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And you know what? We've all experienced it and walked away completely empty. Right? So that's all it's got. So if we renew our mind, our thinking, the way we think, I don't care what the world says. The world says the way I do my business is a horrible way to do business. And I agree with them. I'm not doing business like they do, though. I'm doing it God's way. God's economy, the way God thinks, the way God does things is totally different. And that's the way I want to do it. It's His way. And I'm not saying that if somebody was to do opposite of what I do, if they feel like they have to go out and charge for everything, that's between them and God. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody is, the scripture said that a workman is worthy of his hire. So if that's what God is calling them to do, I don't look down on them for doing it. I'm just doing what I've been told to do. And we all, that's what we all, we just... And we'll get into it. We just seek God's will. And we're going to see how we come up with God's will. So here, transforming ourselves, renewing our minds. Ephesians 6, 5 and 6. Paul to the church at Ephesus says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ." Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now you notice everything's general right now. There's no specific yet. But I'm trying to show you that God is saying you need to do his will, you need to do his will. So we're we're kind of we're gonna start narrowing in to find out what that really is gonna look like. But like I said at the beginning, he's not going to tell you the kind of toothpaste, the kind of toilet paper you need, you know, the shampoo you should be using. He doesn't get that specific. Now, you know, there's the overzealous people and they, you know, they can pray over the bottle of shampoo before they buy it. And that's, that's cool, I guess, you know, might be a little oversaved, but whatever. I'm not going to get mad at you for doing it. But with sincerity of heart is the way we want to do this. Obedient to those who are your masters. And this is obviously, this is speaking of an employee to an employer. A servant to a master. You don't do it as I, with eye service according to the flesh. He says, do it with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. So when you work for somebody, you work as though you're working to God. So when they're not around, that doesn't mean it's time to kick back and do nothing. Let's take advantage of the time because the boss isn't here. He's saying, you don't do that. You work as unto Christ. Whether your boss is there or not, you work hard because you're a representative of Jesus Christ. It's cool to have um, people that want me to work on their houses and they let me work hourly and they're not even around because they know I'm never going to rip them off. They know that if I give them whatever the price is, that's what the price is. And they know it's going to be fair, whatever it's going to be. It's the reputation that I wanted to build, not for my sake, for His. First Thessalonians. Make sure I didn't repeat that one. 5, 16 through 18. Paul says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Ah, here's a specific. What is God's will for your life? He wants you to always rejoice. He wants you to pray without ceasing. He wants you to give thanks for everything because that is the will of God. So there's a specific for your life. Rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Always give thanks. That's hard to do. You, you, some things don't look like they should be thankful things. You know, and, and just in talking with Jeremy, uh, after we got done talking, um, you know, I was just thinking, I go, wow, that's crazy. He's living homeless in a tent. And what a horrible situation to have to live in. And not now. He's not there now, but was, right? Horrible situation to have to go through the struggles and the, and the trial that would be. So God 
gets him eventually up here on the mountain. Gets him in contact with this lady over here who loves to help the homeless and the, and the needy. And that's his heart. And I'm guessing his heart is that way because he lived the life and he knows the struggle. So now he's got a heart to help the same people that are now where he once was. Had he not been in that situation, I wonder if that would have still been your heart. We go through stuff and it's of our own doing. It's not God's choosing because you know we don't have to be homeless in order to want to help homeless. But because of situations we put ourselves in, Romans talks about it, Romans 8, right? Where it says that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we see a horrible situation and God turns around and takes that horrible situation and turns it into something that is just an incredible thing. And, you know, it's it's cool to see that his heart now is, I want to go minister to people and help people that are in the situation I was in. That's what got me involved in youth ministry 32 years ago. Because I was being asked to teach in uh, this, the Sunday school at the church I was at. I was like, I, I can't do the kids, man. But I had a heart for junior high schoolers. That's where I wanted to start, I said. Because, you know, I started at 10 years old, started doing drugs. So I thought, man, if I can reach these kids, 6th grade, tell them my experiences, tell them how good God is, keep them from going down the path I went down, that's what I want to do. And it was because of my experience in the past gave me a heart to reach out to those that have either gone through it, are going through it, or maybe I can keep them from going through it. So our past experiences, God will use for his kingdom and for his glory. But we have to give ourselves to him and we want to rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. So the trials we go through today, um, God is going to use all the stuff that we go through in order to help others or in order to empathize or sympathize with other people that are going through the same kind of stuff. You know, it's been amazing. You know, when I got saved I, um, at 20, I was diagnosed with uh, malignant lymphoma. I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. My dad died of cancer at 32 years old. And uh, so here I am at 20. Patty and I are going to get married a couple months. I think it was in like June when I was diagnosed. We're getting married in August. So Patty, you might want to just, we, we can push the wedding off because I may not even be alive in, April, in August. I mean, this the, the cancer was through my whole body. It was bad. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but I'll, I'll give you the end away. I didn't die. Okay, just so you guys know. Um, God just did some crazy stuff uh, over time. If you're around, you know you can, like, you'll get the whole story eventually. But uh, God did some crazy things. The people that He He placed in my life. I was in City of Hope. Within three weeks, there was a three-year waiting list. God had worked out some, a miracle there. Um, the, the, a kid that was playing soft, or baseball, my shortstop, on a baseball team that I was coaching, his dad was a head surgeon at City of Hope. So he pulled strings and got me in there. I was in City of Hope. There was a guy at Calvary Chapel, West Covina, named Manuel, that everybody was, Manuel went through leukemia and he was in remission. And they were like, oh, you got to talk to Manuel. They kept telling me, you got to talk to Manuel, you got to talk to Manuel. And I never, I didn't know who Manuel was, but they said I didn't talk to him. Everyone was telling Manuel, you got to go talk to Kevin, you got to talk to Kevin. He had no idea who I was. We were sitting in City of Hope one day. I was in there on a Friday. Um, the following Monday, they were starting chemotherapy. Tuesday was a bone marrow transplant. Wednesday was my CAT scan. Um, that Friday, I went in for my appointment. And then in City of Hope, there's a room. It's about the size of this sanctuary. And they, they have four wards, the blue, the green, the yellow, and the red ward. And they tell you what color ward to go to. And you sit in this room and wait for your doctor to come get you and take you in. So I'm sitting in the, I think it was in the blue ward. I took the last chair in the room, sitting down, just like waiting for my doctor to come get me. And this guy walks in. There's no seats, so he decides he's going to sit on the table next to me. So he sits down on the table. I look at him. He looks at me. I go, you're Manuel, huh? He goes, yeah, you're Kevin, aren't you? We had never seen each other before. I told him what was going on. He goes, let's pray. We prayed. I went into my doctor's appointment. I came out. When I was in the doctor's appointment, they said, we can't find it. What do you mean? The cancer's gone. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. 
well, we think there was a mistake. I'm like, oh, really? So you guys have been doing all this stuff the last three weeks, getting me prepped for next week on a mistake? I don't think so. The doctor's all, well, you can think what you want. I said, God healed me, and you know it. She wouldn't admit it. Um, she goes, so what we're going to need you to do is when you leave here, you need to go out, you need to make an appointment with the reception. We, we need to see you for the next six months. We need to make sure this doesn't come back. And I looked at her and said, well, what's going to come back? It was a mistake, remember? And she just looked at me. I go, you know. And I walked out of that room. I have been able to take that story and share with people that have cancer. And it's been incredible how God has used that thing that was so horrible. That's the big C. That's the, and it's far along in Hodgkin's lymphoma to this day is one of the worst cancers you can get. And God healed me and I was able to use that. And I know other people that have used it to lead people to Christ because they shared with them what God did with me. Uh, one guy in particular, real quick, and then I'll get back to the study. Um, this guy named Tony, he worked for a Christian TV station. I won't mention who it is. But um, he was at visiting somebody that had cancer in a hospital. He went to them. He was talking with them. He shared with them what God did with me. And he told the guy, I'm not saying God is going to heal you of your cancer. I'm telling you God can heal you of your cancer. The guy said, I want that God. And he accepted the Lord and died three weeks later. My prayer the whole time was, God, if you're going to take me, at least get one soul. I know of at least one that he got and he didn't take me. So the stuff we go through, the crazy things, rejoice. Not because of what you're going through, but because God loves you enough that he's going to get you through it one way or another. Because whether I lived or died of cancer, I would have been better off if he took me, right? I mean, Patty doesn't think so. My kids wouldn't be around, at least. I, I don't know how that would work out. But um, but I would be with Jesus. That's why I came to him. I had only been a Christian about a year at that point, but that was my whole reason. So as I was going through that, I wasn't afraid. I'm like, this is why I became a Christian, so I could spend my eternity with God. And he chose not to take me. He's been using me since. But what an opportunity we all have through the different things we've gone through in our lives. God can use us. But he wants us to rejoice in him, not in our situation or our circumstance. I shared with you guys how my mom would go to work and people would just, they found out that I had cancer and people are just like, Judy, how do you keep it together? Your son has got cancer. He could be dead in no time because they knew how bad it was. My mom goes, you need to call my house. Talk to my son. People from her work were calling me. I'd never met him before. My your mom said I need to call and talk to you. I want to know why your mom's so peaceful. And I got to just share the Lord with people that I, I to this day I've never met. But I got to share the gospel with them. Because God's peace was upon me. I was rejoicing in because he was doing something. I had no idea what it was going to be. But he wanted to use the situation. So whatever the situation, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks because that's the will of God. That's his will for you is that you rejoice. Unceasing thanksgiving. All right. Moving along. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Come now you who say today and tomorrow... We will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So what Paul is saying, or I'm sorry, what James is saying here is we can make plans. We can make plans. God isn't going to be involved in every intricate detail, but he wants to be involved in every... He's not going to tell you everything you have to do, but he wants to be involved in your decision-making. So, as I'm making decisions, I make the decisions based on God's will. If God wills, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this. When we started, when I started my business that I didn't want to start, but my wife, my wife thought it was best that I did my own business so that at least I would get along with the boss. And so I did. And we said, if this is God's will, then he'll make it happen. And and we just stepped out. 
15 years later, I'm still doing it. I still think, man, Lord, I don't want to do this. It would be easier to just get a paycheck at the end of every week. That's not His will, though. So we're just walking in His will. And it's tough. It's a struggle. But He's faithful. This is His will. So basically our attitude was, if God wills, this is what He wants us to do. And we step out by faith, and He will, and we're going to see it later, He will guide. See, because we have to base everything we have. When I'm making the decision, what I think is God's will, I base it on His word. Right? I can't go, well, you know, I think God wants me to be married. I'm going to go find this girl, and I know she's not a Christian, but boy, she looks good. Maybe that's God's will for my life. Okay, right away, I know that's not, because the scriptures specifically speak against that. You're not to be unequally yoked. Okay, so I use His word to help determine His will. Not specific. We'll get into the dating marriage thing next week. I don't want to get too much into that. Um, if you guys have never heard how my wife and I met, everybody loves that story. It's crazy. God's amazing. First um, John. Next week you'll get to hear it. Chapter 5, 14 and 15. says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, in Jesus, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. We talked about this when we were going through prayer. As you pray, according to God's will, you have to know that this is something that God would want. You pray. You get in touch with God. You find out His heart. Prayer is not you changing God's mind. Prayer is you aligning your heart with God's heart so that when you ask for something, you already know it's something He wants to do. So, that's how we find what God's will. Align ourselves because if we, we have the confidence that in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So what is that good thing? God, do you want me to share Jesus with people in the world? Right? We know He does because that was a command. So we can go, Lord, I know it's Your will that I share with somebody. Can you bring them my way? You ever prayed that prayer? And have him not answer it? Oh man, you, you pray. I, you want to test God on something. Ask him that one. God, bring me somebody that I can share you with. Pray that prayer. I guarantee you, somebody will be in your face looking for Jesus. They don't know that's what they're looking for, but an opportunity will present itself that you can share Jesus with them. You know it's his will, so if you pray that prayer, he's going to answer that thing. There's so many things like that because if we know his word, some of the stuff we've looked at, we know His will. That's the stuff. Again, we'll get into the other stuff. We'll get some of the other stuff going. But Okay, the next one's the one we're not going to look at. First Peter, forget it. It's not there. Move on. You guys should have deleted that. Psalm 143. Verses 9 and 10. The psalmist praying says, Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. So here the psalmist asks for God to give him the ability to do his will. So sometimes we don't know. God, what do you want from me? I don't know, like Mary was talking about. Hey, we've been general. God, I, I don't know specifically what you want from my life. Um, but God will show you. When we were looking to buy a house, <clears throat> we looked all through Glendora where we were living, and it wasn't working out. So we were praying, Lord, what if we moved up to Rain Springs? So we thought, we'll just start looking. We'll see what God does. See if He opens the door. So we came to Rolling Springs, looked around, found a house over here by the CHP, thought, that's a cool house. We want to make an offer on that house. Realtor calls back. They just signed a lease agreement on that house for two years. So the house can't be sold. Okay, that wasn't your will. We knocked on the door. 
God said, nope, not that one. So we're looking through this magazine, Homes and Land. <clears throat> we see another house. Nice house, big, cheap, $144,000. thought, let's go up and look at that house. So we went over to, so we called our agent over here in Runny Springs. They said, oh, that's on the other side of the mountain in Twin Peaks. So we called the people that were selling the house, Lynn Wilson over there. We said, hey, we want to look at this house that you've got for sale, your listing. So we went up, we looked at that house, we looked at some other houses, and we were just praying. Patty really liked this house that we saw. Um, so we prayed about it. said, okay, Lord, we're going to make an offer. We made an offer. They countered. We said, oh, we countered. We settled on a price for the house. We've been in the house 17 years now. So we, by faith, stepped out and said, God, if this is your will, make it happen. To the last minute, Patty's final prayer for this house that we have was, Lord, let escrow close on this, the day it is supposed to close, and then we'll know for sure this is you. If you guys know anything about real estate, escrow never closes on the day it's supposed to close. Unless Patty prays for it. Because it closed the very day that it was supposed to close. We closed escrow that day. To help us to know this is what God had for us. And we... We're praying about moving over this way. But man, the more I think about it, I'm like, Lord, I, you know, we're praying. That's all we're doing. Lord, if you want us to move, my prayer to God is somebody's going to walk up to my door and offer me cash for my house. Then I'll know it's God. <laughs> right? If that doesn't happen, I'm probably not going to be moving. Because man, the place we live is just, my, my backyard is five miles of forest. That's my backyard. It's like, we get bears. We've had everything. Bears, mountain lions, bobcats, foxes. Yeah, we haven't seen the deer. Our dogs have brought bones, our deer horns, antlers home from right back behind my house. In fact, I think Twix brought one one time, didn't he? Yeah. Heard their dog brought one home one time to my house. Um, so everything's back there, and it's quiet. We're on a private access road. We only have one neighbor that's full-time. And when these guys were growing up, there was nobody full-time on our access road. In fact, there was only like four families in the whole neighborhood that were full-time. There was like nobody living on the mountain when we were when they were growing up. It was great because we could let them just run. You know, Mark was five when we moved up here. Five-year-old little kid, man, we just he was out running around. Didn't even worry about him. It's like there's nobody here. Nobody's gonna give him. A, and they all grew up riding their bikes and running around, and they had a great time. It was great growing up like that. So, the psalmist, teach me to do your will. So, we pray for wisdom, and God teach me. He's saying, teach me to do your will, but the prayer would be, God, show me what your will is so that I can do it. All right? It's the same kind of idea. He will show you. Romans 8. We've got to hurry up. Or Chris is going to start giving me the wrap it up. Because I definitely want to try to get to the definitely the end. Well, 8. I have, I have a question. Go ahead, Chris. If you needed that, yeah. It just depends on the instruction you got. Okay. So sometimes your instruction would be very specific and clear. And sometimes it's it's not. It's not super clear. It's like you need to go in this direction. Like we knew we were looking for a house on the mountain. Mm-hmm. We thought maybe running springs. So we're, we're asking God, show us how to do it. We knew we needed to get a house. We just didn't know where. Okay. He guided us to Twin Peaks. That wasn't where we were looking. We were looking over here. Who's used to vacation down here? So, um, so the whole time it's prayer, and that's why you, Paul says, he says, pray without ceasing. I told you guys about that lady last week that I was talking to, that Russian lady, and she, she asked me, Oh, do you like pray once a day, every day? She goes, I try to pray at least once a day, every day. I said, I pray all the time. I said, While we're talking right now, I'm praying. I go, I don't have to close my eyes, bow my head, I don't have to do that. As I'm talking to you, I said, I'm praying because I want the right words to speak to you. And to her, that was so weird. I was going to say foreign, but everything I did was foreign to her. Um, so, uh, yeah, so you, you want to pray without out ceasing. That's just part of what God wants us to do. Romans eight twenty seven through 30. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints 
according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So we see there what I was talking about earlier. I know I could go on for he, for whom he foreknew. I don't want to get into all the predestination stuff. That's that's for a deeper study. Um, you guys can read that part. But the Spirit, he who searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. He, God, he, he the Spirit God, knows. He makes intercession for the saints for us according to the will of God. So when we don't even know what we're supposed to be doing, God's Holy Spirit is making intercession because He knows what God's will is. He's trying to help us find it and He will lead and guide us to find it. That's just part of what He is and what He does. Matthew 7. We're getting there. We're getting there. Twenty-one. I thought this one was interesting. Um, he says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven." So it's important to do God's will here. What we're looking at, it's important to make sure we do His will because that helps us get to where we're supposed to be going. Because he said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, it's him who does the will of my Father. So just words, that doesn't cut it. There's got to be action involved. In Matthew 12, 50, Jesus says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Okay. This is Jesus was talking. There it is. I just got to wrap it up. Um, Jesus speaking. He was, he was in the house and the people said, Jesus, your mother's outside. Your brothers, your sisters, they're outside. And he said, who is my mother, my brother, my sisters? He who does the will of my father. Doing God's will proves your relationship. It shows who you are in relationship to him. So, can we look through the scriptures and see, say, the job that God wants us to have? Not necessarily. Nor can we find a wife, a location to live in, where to go on vacation, or anything else you might think that you want to ask God. But without contradiction, by seeking God through His Word, you can find many things God does want, does not want for your life, and in doing so, you can find guidance. Okay, we're going to go through this one really quick. Uh, I won't even read the read the first one. In Acts chapter nine, verses ten through nineteen, if you guys know that story, this is when Saul of Tarsus is struck to the ground, and um, God calls him to be saved, and then He tells uh, Ananias to lay hands on him, um, and specifically, hang on, let me go. I will just read part of this. For my benefit, you don't have to turn there. Just so I can get this part of it. Um, specifically, God said to Ananias, Go, for he, Paul, or Saul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Okay? God's will for Paul's life. Right there. He tells Ananias, You tell Paul... He's a chosen vessel. He's chosen to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Okay? So Paul has a specific thing that God has called him to do. He doesn't know the details of it, nor do I. I know I've been called to teach God's Word. I don't know all the details of teaching God's Word, how He wants me to teach, where He wants me to teach. We were, we've been at my house for the last four years teaching. Tanner came here. Tanner said, please, come teach a study at the, at the church. I prayed about it. And Tanner wanted me to just move my study from my house to the church. I prayed about it and felt the Lord saying, no, not just a study at the church, a foundations in the faith study. That's what he laid on my heart. So I prayed about it. I took it to Tanner and said, I really think this is what the Lord is showing me. And Tanner was just like, yeah, that's it. I think that's what we need. So he confirmed what I felt God was telling me. I talked with Michael, told him what I was thinking. Michael said, yeah, sounds like a great idea. 
So all these guys that are at my house are part of the leadership of the Thursday night. And so I don't just do something. Uh, I wanted to make sure that God showed me. I felt he did. And I confirmed going through a couple other people. Hey, what do you think about this? And they thought, yeah, that's a good idea. The result, and you know, we, at that point, nobody from Pine Ridge was coming here. Now, hopefully everybody will come here. I know we get some coming here and you stay here and you learn and learn foundational stuff. That's what we want to do. So here's Paul, Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 34. We won't read the whole thing. Okay. Then he came to Derby in Lystra, chapter 16, verse 1. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman, who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, but he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them to the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. What happened here with Paul? He knew his calling. His heart, God, I think I want to go to Phrygia in the region of Galatia. But the Holy Spirit said, no. I don't want you going to Asia to preach the word. He goes, okay, we're not going to Asia. Then let's go to Mysia. And then we'll go to Bithynia. It says, but the Spirit did not permit them. So they passed by Mysia and they came to Troas. And then he had a vision. So you can see Paul, he knows the general will of God. He's called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to kings, to the Jews also. Remember, we just read that in Acts. He knew that part. He didn't quite know how it was going to walk out. Okay, God, I know you've called me to do it, so I think I'm going to go this direction. And he starts off, and the Holy Spirit says, no. He says, okay, we'll go this way. And the Holy Spirit says, no. He says, okay, we'll go this way. The Holy Spirit says, okay. Now, and he gives him a vision of a man calling him, come over here to Macedonia and preach to us. Paul said, I think I know what God wants me to do now. See, we, we saw it was general for Paul. But then God made it specific. As he sought God out, the Holy Spirit that we just read about that makes intercession for us because he knows the mind of God, he guides. He'll show us what we need to do. In Psalm 119, 105, you guys have heard it before, he says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we can get into God's word. We can read his word. And like I said, you're not going to find specifics in God's word, but you could be praying, God, what do you want me to do? And through his word, he can guide you. And then when you think he's telling you to do something, get some people that you know are godly people and go, hey, this is what I think the Lord laid on my heart. What do you think? And they can pray with you or they can say, "Uh, you know what? Let me show you some scripture where this is probably not what you're supposed to be doing. Or they can go, no, that sounds like an awesome thing. I know God called me to teach. I've been open for 33 years. Okay, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Like I said, Tanner asked me to teach here. It wasn't a Foundations in the Faith class he asked for. He just wanted a Bible study. I prayed. I felt this was what the church needed. He's already doing a Bible study. I don't need to do one on Thursday nights. He's doing one on Wednesdays. I mean, I know we're doing a Bible study, technically, but I don't need to go in depth. That's what I was doing at my house. I was going through books of the Bible. We went through, I don't know, it took me like a couple of years to get through Genesis and Exodus, probably two or three years in depth, okay? That's not what we're doing here. God said, no, that's not what I need. Tanner's got that covered. I need you to do this. Just lay some foundational stuff. That's all he needed. So I said, okay. So we can see that as we go out in faith with God's leading, even if we're going the wrong way, He'll redirect us as long as we always seek Him through the journey. That's what Paul was doing. See, he didn't fight God. 
He knew when the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go that way. He knew, okay, that's not the way I'm supposed to go. It's no big deal. It's not like, oh, forget it. I'm going home then. I'm done. He goes, okay, I'm not supposed to go that way. Okay, God, show me. And he he goes, I think maybe I'll go this way. And the Spirit said, no, that's not the way either. He goes, okay, then I'll go this way. And then he gets to the goes the other way from Mysia and then has a vision. So God gave him the vision. When I felt God saying, hey, time to do the study, he gave me the, the I'm not going to say a vision like Paul had a vision. There wasn't anybody standing like, Tanner, come teach. It wasn't like that. But he's the one that told me that this is what he wanted here, the foundations. And then as talking with Tanner, I said, I don't want to be the only one teaching this because it's not only for you guys. This What I give you guys is so little of what I actually study and what I actually put down on notes. If you've never taught the Bible, you ever try to do it, you're going to find out. It is not easy. It is actually, ask Whitney, she just had to do a devotion just this weekend for girls, and she's never had to do it before. And it is a lot of work to do a small study. And the smaller the study, the harder the work is, because you really got to get precise and concise, and you got to narrow it down. Because, you know, uh, I taught Sunday morning for the junior hires up at the Green Valley Lake. I had a ton of stuff to say, but I had to bring it down to like 45 minutes. And I taught on basically God's commitment to us. That was my study. 45 minutes, I had to do that. Okay, It's not easy. And then it was cold. Oh, man, the wind was blowing. I was frozen when I got done. But as we seek God, ask Him to show His will to our lives. He will be faithful. He will guide. Don't worry about making mistakes. Maybe going the wrong way. As long as you're not going, you know, Lord, I think you want me to go share with all these people in the strip club. Okay, no. Okay, don't don't twist what he's trying to do within the context of what his word allows. We try to do the work that he's we think he's calling us to do. And he, if we make a mistake, he'll guide us. He'll get us back on the right path. We saw it with Paul. You guys can read that whole story. We don't have time. Hopefully I didn't run out of time because I was given the wrap it up like 10 minutes ago. So we'll see how far we get. Maybe the CD will go and all of a sudden it's going to cut off and nobody's going to know what I had to say. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight and for, uh, again, the opportunity just to, to study your word. And I just pray that we would all seek your will for our lives, that we wouldn't be afraid to step out at something that maybe sounds crazy, if it sounds too crazy, that we would just get confirmation through your word, through others, to know that this is something you may be calling us to. I pray for everybody here that they would seek you, seek your will, seek the gift that you have for them in their lives so they could go out and do the work of the ministry and further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray.